right, Bitcoin accumulation country, it's been a minute. I am back. This is your host, Coin Icarus, and this is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. This is most likely going to be the last episode for a very long time. Uh, I do Simply Bitcoin daily with BitVolt, so check us out at Simply Bitcoin TV. Anyways, this is a great episode. I had started to schedule this with um, Michael Krieger a while ago. We finally sat down and had a chat. It was it was an epic. It was definitely an epic chat. I really love his uh, his point of view. Um, I like his objective. I, to me, well grounded takes. Anyways, not going to keep rambling on. All right, everyone, sit back. You know, grab your favorite drink, your favorite smoke, your favorite whatever you want, and let's go on a little journey here with Michael Krieger. Here we go. Welcome, everyone. It's been a really long time. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, and joining me today is a very special guest that I have waited a very long time to speak to. So no pressure, but some pressure. Okay. Anyways, I'm talking about fellow Bitcoiner, Michael Krieger. Michael, I really, I really do appreciate you joining me on my podcast. This is a serious honor, man. Really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, we, we we started talking about doing this earlier this year, at the, towards the beginning of the year, I think. And you know, things were busy, but this is this is actually going to be my last um, interview pod for a while. I mean, it could be months because we're expecting another baby. So I'm taking a big time out from doing these things. So I'm looking forward to just laying it, laying it down on the mat, saying as much as I possibly can, um, you know, because I won't be doing one of these again for a little while. Oh man. Well, look, congratulations, right? Always a blessing. Uh, something that, uh, something my parents, something my parents always like to say, which I'm sure <laughs> many parents do is, is that, you know, every, every kid that's born brings with it, right? It, it's opportunity and it's chances. So, and Absolutely. it's hope, so to speak. Yes. It's always so. exciting to meet, meet this new soul and, um, <laughs> you know, learn about it and try to be as, as, as good of a guide as you possibly can as a parent. So it's a true honor, you know, whenever, whenever a new child is born, definitely. I feel that way. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive into the, the rabbit hole story, but I want to explain, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted you on this, you know, on my podcast was because I, I find that you have, um, you know, you, you take a very interesting view um, on, you know, many topics, right, uh, in and around Bitcoin. And um, although these views are, are high level, they're very level headed. And I, I appreciate that, right? Especially on, especially on Twitter, where it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, hi, hyper, hyperbole, you know, it's, I, I find it refreshing. So anyways, before we, you know, before we dive in, we'll, we'll start off with, so before Bitcoin, um, is there anything that you can share? Like, where were you before Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, unlike a lot of people that I engage with within the, you know, Bitcoin, let's say, pleb um, arena, uh, who who really became sort of, let's say, red-pilled or awakened after discovering Bitcoin, right? So, so Bitcoin um, opened up their eyes to how corrupt, you know, you know, money and banking is and how it could be different. And then from there, you know, as you know, once you get that first, you know, red pill, once you get that first, once you go down the first rabbit hole and realize, okay, this has been a total lie my whole life, then you start looking at other things and it kind of just spirals. Um, so for me, I had my uh, red pilling waking up moment before Bitcoin was um, invented, you know, around 2007, 2008 is when it started happening to me. And I was actually on Wall Street in the financial services area. I was a commodities um, and macro trading desk analyst at a Wall Street firm. And the way that the authorities and the central banks responded to um, the crash, right, the housing crisis, the, the, it, was, it was so blatantly, um, it was either one of two things, right? It was either completely just insane or completely corrupt. And at first I thought, this is just insane. They don't get it. <laughs> but then it pretty quickly became clear to me as the money was started to get printed and distributed. And you started to see how certain players were taking advantage of the response, certain very big players, um, that it was actually very much conscious and very corrupt. And it was a way of, of giving the central bank actually more power 
power, which is what happened after that crisis, and consolidating wealth. You know, one of the many things that happened during that was a lot of Americans lost their homes. And right. Blackstone, the giant private equity firm, which had the ability to um, access very low rates of interest, thanks to the Fed policies, was able to go in and swoop up um, massive quantities of these homes from broke Americans and then rent it back to them um, through Isn't this through nice? their company. Yeah, through their company called Invitation Homes. So, so, so I really started. I started. I quit Wall Street shortly after that crisis. It was it was um, January two thousand and ten. I just couldn't continue. You know, I couldn't continue to be there. And also, I'm as you can probably tell if you follow me, I'm not someone that pulls punches or can be quiet if I see something that's really wrong. And you know, I wasn't quiet at my job. So after a while, it just it got to the point where it wasn't really uh, gonna gonna be <laughs> gonna be a smooth smooth sailing between me and the company anymore, um, and so I left in early 2010 and I started writing um, about what I saw, what I knew, what I thought we needed to do, stuff like that. And a core part of my uh, message actually back then before Bitcoin, right? Uh, BB was central banking. You know how the system works, how they, how it's, how it's the most powerful tool in the world for power and consolidating wealth. Uh, how corrupt the fiat money system is. Uh, you know, this is when I started discovering 1971 and and going into you know sort of what what the trends have been since then, the financialization of the United States. You know, I like to say that prior to 1971, post World War II, the U.S. was a industrial and manufacturing empire primarily. It was an economic empire, but post 1971, it became a financial empire, right? Whereas the, the, all of the real world economic activity or a lot of it was offshored and shut down. And we just sort of became this uh, financial engineering society. And it's not just Wall Street that does it. Of course, you know that corporations not investing in plant equipment but instead borrowing to buy back their own shares is just financial engineering as well. And then there's a hedge fund industry and it all gets, you know, real estate, of course, itself is part of this low interest rate leverage, making money via um, financial engineering, essentially, right? So it's all the same, right? So much of the wealth that's been created since 1971, you know, let's say aside from the tech industry has really just been financial engineering in one form or another via um, in constant inflation and access to cheap borrowing. Anyway, so I so I quit and then um, I became a gold, big time gold and silver bug, right? As you can imagine, <laughs> there wasn't Bitcoin. Nope. And for me, that was the logical sort of path, you know, get get your money out of the system, buy precious metals, you know, and kind of wait for, for, for things to happen. You know, things never really did happen in the precious metals. And interestingly enough, of course, Bitcoin, um, came around, I guess it was right before I actually quit. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was a little bit before cause I quit in January, 2010. Um, and I had, I heard of it very early on. Like, I think it was 2011. I remember reading an article. I think it was, um, the New Yorker actually. Um, it was either that or New York magazine. I can't remember exactly which one. And I, and a friend sent it to me cause he knew I was a big gold and silver guy. And so I read it and I remember thinking to myself, well, this is really interesting, but I don't, is it, is it a scam? You know what I mean? Is it, is it a scam? Like I don't, I, I have no technical background. So, you know, for me, I couldn't make any sense of it other than it was interesting, but I couldn't die, dig into it or I didn't have the, uh, um, I guess I didn't have the determination to do so at that time. It wasn't until 2012 that um, I started looking into it more seriously because fortunately I have some really smart readers on my old blog, Liberty Blitzkrieg. And, and several people were saying to me, you know, if you're, if these are your views, you really got to look at Bitcoin. You know, it fits in with your philosophy perfectly. You got to get involved in this. And a few people even said to me, put up a donation uh, link on your website and I'll send you Bitcoin. And finally, uh, I remember what really turned it for me was when I saw in 2012, I think it was August, um, maybe slightly before actually, but there was an article written, it was talking about how WikiLeaks was able to survive and continue to receive donations despite a um, uh, sort of a, uh, what was it, like an embargo from the financial industry and uh, PayPal, a lot of these services were stopping donations. Yeah, they were and being so they, censored. Exactly. And they were, and so they were able to continue to receive donations through Bitcoin. 
And right then and there, I, I knew there was something special because that was a real world application that I cared about, that Bitcoin was actually doing something that nothing else was doing. And so it was at that point that I that I got my stuff together and uh, reached out to a friend of mine who's very technically um, capable, let's say. And I said, you tell, tell me about Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, explain <laughs> it to me like I'm five and also make, tell me if it's a scam. And he explained it to me. He set me up with a wallet, like one of those really old school uh, wallets, you know, desktop. I mean, it's, it looked like something out of the 1980s, you know, <laughs> and um, and I set it up and I put a donation link on my website. Shortly afterwards, I wrote my first post on Bitcoin, which I think was um, in August 2012. And I'm still proud of the title. It was something like Bitcoin, a way to fight back against the financial terrorists. That's what I wrote. Because nice. <laughs> right, right away, to me, because of my background, right? Because of my background, yes. I already was primed for that, right? So as soon as I learned about Bitcoin, I, I said to myself, okay, this is like the weapon I've been waiting for, right? This is this is it. This is this is what I've been waiting my last few years for. And it it felt like miraculous almost. Like wow, you know, that this that this thing has come to us right at the moment when we need it the most. It was incredible. And and like so many of us out there, I couldn't sleep for about two weeks because I was just thinking about Bitcoin, <laughs> what, <laughs> what it was going to do. Um, and so it was awesome. It was a great time of, of just hope. You know, before that, I was your typical, um, you know, doom and gloomer. I, I got my gold. I got my silver. I'm waiting for collapse. Right. I'm not, you know, that, that was that was the mindset. Because because you know what? Because the, the problem was, if you knew that the system was terminally corrupt and you knew that central banking and fiat money were were central to this uh, corrupt paradigm's dominance. You, you know, you also knew gold and silver weren't going to get you to something else, right? Mm -hmm. It was yep. gold and silver, right? Gold and silver at best were going to make was going to make you potentially financially in a good position after the world came to an end, but it wasn't going to create another world. And when I, when I learned about Bitcoin, I saw the future and I, and I could see right away that this was not just a way to sort of get through um, a chaotic storm or collapse, but it was a way to transcend and and create something completely new and different and better and and you know the more i looked into it the more i thought about it from a philosophical angle it, it allowed me to think about so many other topics um based on what bitcoin does right so the the permissionlessness the decentralization of it the the idea that you're opting in voluntarily to this network with a defined set of rules that can't be just manipulated and changed at a you know at the drop of a hat to serve someone's agenda it was the exact opposite to everything that i knew about this fiat world that we live in that, that so many of us you know really rightfully despise um, that that I just became obsessed, you know, and so and so for me, it's 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 fun to see other Bitcoiners, particularly young ones, who who are going through what I went through then, um, because it was you know a couple of years where that's all I wanted to talk about or write about or you know say to anybody, you know, and then of course he levels off and I learn into, learn about other things and I feel like I've said what I needed to be said, but it's it's interesting because everyone's learning curve is like that. You you learn about it and if it really clicks, right? I mean, if if Bitcoin really clicks you can always tell when someone understands bitcoin and what it can do superficially versus someone who really understands the potential and what it means and it's exciting to see those people because you know they can't shut up about it and i understand why oh my gosh absolutely and that was that that is a serious okay so that's a serious trip i did not know i i didn't know that you were uh, that you were a wall streeter um before and I, I think that that is really interesting that you ended up becoming a gold and silver bug because I can tell you so. Okay, so on my end, I, I was like one of those like tinfoil hat kids, you know, growing up in in the eighties, and immediately like I was one of those people that would ask like all these questions, right? You know, like I was one of those kids that, you yeah. know, for no other reason wanted to know, you know, where does money come from and why does the government print money? And you know, my parents just my father looked at me and he goes, you don't ask those questions. <laughs> He goes, it doesn't, he goes, the government just prints the money. That's how it works. And, and so don't get me wrong, but like, so my whole, you know, a lot of my, uh, you know, youth, uh, was kind of scarred with, uh, some, some financial, you know, some family financial issues, you know, to, from my parents, like their businesses going under and stuff like that. So I was, I, I was introduced, you know, um, to, 
the the world of money you know through that and um and, and i guess wealth accumulation through that angle i wanted to learn what not to do right mm-hmm. like I, and i did from from seeing what my parents did i learned i learned a lot from them and um essentially i you know i got to the point where i was like well wait a second to your point gold and silver are not going to create a new world i was like well wait a second i'm like this is going back in the past i'm like we already went through this. It already failed. They already won against this. I'm like, and this is all we have. And I got extremely disappointed. So my next step was, Hey, wait a second. So if we know that the system is rigged and they're just going to print forever and number constantly goes up because value constantly gets destroyed, then all I need to do is find the stocks that pay ever increasing dividends and just accumulate those for a certain number of years. Right. And then eventually you create secondary and you know tertiary streams of income where you no longer have to trade your valuable time for you know shitty labor and then you can you know use those funds to actually create you know whatever type of life that you want so my my whole point is is that even though i was like trapped in the doom and gloom i just i looked at gold and silver and i was like man I'm like, there's got to be something better than this. And don't get me wrong. I don't think that stocks or equities are better than gold and silver. I, I don't. Um, but I looked at the way the system was and I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, this is, th- these are, you know, this is the the hand I'm playing. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to that point. So that's a pretty astute observation though. Also, because the, the government was wanted and wants stocks to go up and it doesn't want gold and silver to go up. And so you're in some ways playing on that too, you know, so it's from an intelligent point of view, you're saying, well, okay, stocks are something that if you pick the right ones, um, will certainly perform just fine in an inflationary scenario. Um, you know, and it's got the backstop of the Fed who is trying to keep stocks from going down and always, and has been doing that forever, you know? And so that's that's an interesting thing. I think the, 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 the difference, right, and, and I knew that too, but the the problem, the problem for me was I became so, I became so disillusioned and so disgusted by the financial system itself that I couldn't even bring myself to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? I was, it was because to me that was part of them winning. Yes, and, and that, it is. And that's what was so. And it is, and it is, and and because that's what they own. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, 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 all these guys, they, they they have stock portfolios, <laughs> and so and so when it was when I saw Bitcoin and it was like you know ten, twenty, hundred dollars at the time, you know obviously these guys don't own it, <laughs> you know, and and it was so clear to me, and and it, and it was very important and still is very important to me to invest or put my money in something that I believe is for the for good. You know, it, it, it aligns with who I am and what I believe in. You know, I can I can always go out and buy defense stocks because I think they're going to go to war, but I won't do that. Even if I know I'm going to make money, I'm not going to do it. Just like I'm not going to make money owning Amazon because I think Amazon is a sh- shitty, evil company. Um, so I won't do that. And so, you know, prior to that, the only thing, that's why I did gold and silver, you know, and, and it didn't work out that great. But But the reason was I could at least say to myself, it's clean. You know, mm-hmm. it's a piece, it's a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally, you know what? I can totally appreciate that stance because there's many companies. I, I don't invest in defense stocks. I don't invest in uh, tobacco companies, you know, stuff like that. Like I, I completely agree. Like I would never invest in Monsanto, for example, right. you know, like I, so a hundred percent, I totally get that. And and you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, maybe the difference also is, is that, you know, my my position is much further removed like you were you know to me anyways at least from my my vantage point you know you you were much closer to the belly of the beast so you can really see the rot at a level that i think yes. that people like me don't understand so that's why we can go and look at equities and say hey you know what i i can fight the system using the system but let's be honest right you you can't you know you well, i forget what that um what that saying is but uh you know, like the, the solutions don't come from the same minds that created the problems or something like that. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. the same no, mind that thought know. of the problem or I, I don't, I, yeah, look, I get it. Right. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're just like, okay, well, it's a hamster wheel and I need to somehow outpace the cost of living yes. and stop. So let me do it. I get it. You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap, you know, crap on anyone that, that does that or has done that. It just, for me coming, as you say, coming from where I did, where I, 
I mean, I walked away from a job that I was extremely good at, that I actually did enjoy, and I was making a ton of money at a young age. I could have kept doing that, no problem. But mm -hmm. I mean, I had such an ethical dilemma. I had such a problem. And it's not like what I was doing, my job, there was no, there was, there were no ethical issues with my job specifically. But but I was sitting next to the printer, right? I mean, the, I was making the kind of money I was making because my industry was next to the printing press. And that was became an undeniable fact. And so I knew every single day that I was taking a paycheck that that's why I was getting the money. And so if I'm going to walk away from something like that, right? I mean, then, then I'm, I'm pretty radicalized at that point. You know? Oh, yeah. But I, and, and you know what, though, I, I truly wish that more people would think like that because the, and but again, right, the, this and this ties into Bitcoin because it goes to our incentives, right? I mean, yes. let's face it, we, you know, for the most part, the mainstream media will teach us that we constantly need to not only increase the speed at which we're living, but also increase the um, the amount of living that we're having, right? Right specifically yeah. through specifically through you know purchasing a bunch of useless crap and you know creating these narratives of what a life should be uh which usually just involves taking on a whole bunch of debt and creating a an unsustainable wheel that no person can really run um so yeah it, it kind of it, it's interesting it kind of goes to that Right. And so, and this is one of the things I love about Bitcoin. Let's just talk about from the pure financial kind of standpoint of an individual. Um, if you're not in Bitcoin, you, you do have to do what you described. Okay. If you're going to try to either get ahead or, um, or, or even just stay in the same place because of the cost of living increases, whether it's education, healthcare, mm -hmm. um, and now of course the cost of food and other things. Uh, rent, housing, all these things. So, so with bit with Bitcoin, you don't have to do the oh, I'm going to have a seventy thirty, you know, diversified portfolio of uh, growth stocks and bonds, and you know, what I mean? you don't have to be this financial planner. You don't have to be this financial. You don't have to go to a financial advisor just to stay in place, which you actually do have to do, right? You you can't. Oh, yeah. People, 90% of people, if not more, can't just earn their fiat fiat paycheck and save some of it and, and come out ahead. It's it's not going to happen. You have to somehow get that money to go up, you know, to, to grow with inflation, if not more, way more than it, because the paychecks are so bad in general. And so and so they go to so you have to do something. You have to either be a financial advisor, but what Bitcoin does, and this is one of the one of the best things about it. And what I also love is how many young people understand this. It's very encouraging. You see it all, I see it all the time on Twitter, where people say, like, I am working harder at my fiat job to stack more, you know, because they inherently understand they they finally have a savings vehicle that not only will keep up with the cost of living over time, but will dramatically outpace it. And so they don't even have to mess with stocks and bonds and real estate and all this other stuff. They can, they can actually, for the first time, like it wasn't available to me growing up as a young person, but for the first time they have this one thing that they can buy. They consider that they can, they can consider the savings and it'll, it'll keep them ahead of the game. And it's a really powerful tool in that sense alone. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. Sorry. My mic was on mute do it for the the, no, the, no the feedback i apologize no but you know th this is you're, you're making a, a very good point and i want to go back to something that you said earlier that ties into what these uh, you know these the younger generation right i'm, I'm a gen xer um and that mm. sorry yeah no me, me too i'm late i'm late gen x but yeah that's late. where i am oh okay yeah so there you go it's um <laughs> It's kind of interesting. We're kind of that forgotten generation, uh, I feel. <laughs> like nobody, people consider us boomers for some reason. Like I've had people call me a boomer. I'm like, you, you realize I'm like, I'm the kid of the boomer. Anyways. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but going back, you said something. You said BTC is the weapon we've been waiting for. And that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, going back to your point about needing a financial planner, this was something... You know, I remember the first time I went to a financial planner, I sat down, you know, you, they go, you know how this goes, right? They ask you, you know, what your income is, what, you know, what you owe, all this stuff. And then they come up with a magic number that you can save every month that they're going to take from your account and that they're going to put into, um, at, at my level, because I was, you know, small, like minnow, you know, they, they put it into a quote unquote basket of funds. And then, 
you know, you get your measly percentage every year. Some years are negative. Some years are highly positive. But overall, you're looking at like five to maybe eight percent or something like that. And I remember I did that. But at the same time, I uh, this was around the time that the MasterCard and uh, Visa IPOs came out. And I I understood this about money. Okay, I understood that everything was going digital. But I also understood that because the money supply was going up, they were going to be processing more and more transactions. So I went and bought the MasterCard IPO. Um, I mean, right after it came out, I obviously was not big enough to get into the IPO itself. But as soon as it came out on the market and the market dumped on it, they hated it. Even Jim Cramer, I remember Jim Cramer was saying that it was garbage at 40 bucks. Um, but I, I just thought that they were all wrong. And the same thing with Visa. And lo and behold, five years later, I destroyed my advisor's five to eight percent returns, right? Like I, I just totally killed them because I understood something. And or maybe it's, you know, I shouldn't say that because that's kind of like a survival bias there where you think that you're right because you got one thing right. Um, but essentially, I, I went over there and I was like, you know what? Um, I don't need these services anymore. And, you know, he obviously, you know, did what he could to keep me there. But look, at the end of the day, I said to him, I said, look, I go, you had me put into this basket. I go, I was able to go and beat whatever you were giving me by just doing my own research. I go, so you know what? I go, sorry. I'm like, I don't really need this. And don't get me wrong. The amount of time that I was putting in, okay, is not like, it, it's not something that you can do if you have a family or, and, or, you know, a wife and two, you know, like a job, maybe two jobs. Like it's just not happening. You know, like I was doing like a good, like let's say like two to four hours every evening of research, you know, right? Okay. Be yeah. before I had so enough the, conviction. Right. No, no, this is a great point. So let's, let's like break this down a little bit more. Um, and it, and it's exactly to the point that I'm, I was saying, which is that, uh, but you, you sort of, to get ahead, you need to be able to do something like that, right? Generate alpha. So you were yes. able to ge generate alpha in the stock market by seeing um, trends and doing, doing your homework and taking a bet on something that other people uh, were skeptical of. And it pays off, okay? So Bitcoin is, the, is a similar thing, except you don't have to keep finding the next stock. You just buy Bitcoin. But but it, but to, the, to your point, so I never used a financial advisor, right? Because I was in that industry and I, I could do the same things that you did um, with other with other companies. But the problem from a society wide standpoint, as you alluded to, is that you should not expect your average person, your average tradesperson or family person or whatever to do that. Okay, you shouldn't you should not have to do that kind of thing to keep up with inflation. And yet you do. <laughs> you exactly. do have to. Um, and it's preposterous. I mean, somebody who's a carpenter um, or, you know, tile person, whatever, and they're working all day uh, with wood or finishing bathrooms or remodels, that person should be able to take his hard earned money and put it somewhere and not have to be a speculator to have a decent life. And unfortunately, that's really not the case and it hasn't been for a while and it's a problem because that way that because of that everyone then has to get involved in the financial services gulag and you have to pay fees just to try to keep up and it's absolutely civilizationally important to have a means to take your savings put it somewhere and focus on your trade, you know, focus on increasing the jobs you're doing and increasing the units of whatever you're getting paid in, but not then having to have a side gig as a speculator just to keep up. And that is the economy we live in. That is the fiat economy. And it's absolute disgrace, in my opinion. That should not have to, you should not have to do that. Um, yet you kind of do, you know, and that's the conclusion you came to. You, you came to the conclusion that not only is it not sufficient to put the money in the bank, but it's also not sufficient to just do some generic, you know, 70-30 fund from some financial advisor. You actually needed to take it a step beyond that and generate alpha in the stock market, which just, let's be honest, that's most people can't do that. You know, they just, they can't, they don't have the time, they don't have the ability, whatever. 
but they shouldn't have to is the point, right? Exactly. That, that, that's exactly right. And you know, the other thing is as you're, you know, as you're explaining this, it's also making me think I, I, I feel as though there's less and less, um, we'll say careers out there that offer the ability for you not to have to become one of these people right? That goes out, gets the financial advisor, has to become, you, you know what I mean? Has to become either a financial expert or like we were saying, go to somebody that, you know, just churns it as part of a fund. I feel that there's less and less jobs out there that make it possible so that you, you can actually beat the cost, uh, you know, the cost of inflation and the, the rising living costs. Exactly. And, that, and that's where Bitcoin fills that void. Which, which I think a lot of people do understand, particularly that are young. Whenever I see a young person, again, saying, I'm working for more fiat so I can just put it into Bitcoin, I, I know that person understands everything and how it's all set up to, to defeat them, right? <laughs> how the system is set up to destroy them, and so they have Bitcoin. I mean, this would be the way that you could sort of pitch Bitcoin to someone who, let's say, is a tradesperson, like an electrician or a plumber, who does reasonably well, you know? They, 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 can, they can earn pretty decent salaries. But if they want to take that, but 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 if they put their money in the bank, all of that money that they made is just getting destroyed. And so, you know, you just pitch it to them and say, listen, you focus on your craft, focus on being a plumber, focus on being an electrician, you know, focus on that. And then you can put a, a portion of that money in Bitcoin and it's going to work itself out for you over over the years. And then and then your hard-earned that sweat and labor that you do. Um, improving people's homes or whatever, helping people in real life, it doesn't get squandered um, through these central bank policies, which is what's happening, you know? And so that's really, to me, it's Bitcoin in so many ways to me is, is, is a reintroduction of some sort of civil civility, right? Or civilization <laughs> into uh, the monetary realm, right? It's just yeah. like, we're, we're so, it's so uncivilized as it is. It's such a complete scam um, designed to uh, wear you down, punish you, steal from you in secret, um, so much, and I and I know Bitcoiners get this, but I and I and I understood it even before I came across Bitcoin. It, it's 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 the the entire thing. All of I do think a lot, a huge amount of the societal and cultural problems do flow from this monetary system that we live in, this financial system. I, I really do because it because it you know it forces people. They don't understand why they're not keeping up. Yes. You know, oh, I did the right thing, right? I went to I went to college. I, I studied. I did the right thing. I have this job, and yet you're you're falling behind, and so that that really creates a desperate and depressed, um, confused, easily manipulated populace, which of course benefits <laughs> people who. Um, are at the very, very pinnacle of this system B because it's because it's so surreptitious. It's so it's so sneaky. So, but to be optimistic, aside from just Bitcoin, the the fact that so many people now, if I'm talking about 2010 when I quit Wall Street to now, the 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 percentage of people that do get it on a very deep level is so much more significant than it was. And there's so many young people that get it. It's very encouraging. I just wanted to point that out. Like I've been in this for a long time and I've seen the changes and it's very good that, cause, cause if you don't understand the problem and identify the problem and fully understand how you're being robbed, you're not going to be able to solve it. Of course, you're just going to, you're just going to, you're just going to go from one symptom to the other symptom to the other symptom saying, Oh, well, we need to do this. or we need to do that. I mean, you know, instead of getting to the root, and so that's what I appreciate about Bitcoiners is that Bitcoiners get at the root of our societal rot. So I think, you know what, that's a that, that's a great segue into the uh, in, into kind of like our, uh, you know, like our next topic, which um, kind of is a little bit what's going on right with um, the essentially the World Economic Forum, the IMF, you know, the the central bankers. So I, you know, I, I was on. Um, uh, why are we bullish uh, with the BTC sessions last Friday? And, you know, I was I was thinking, you know, 
I'm I'm actually seeing the amount of resistance from these players. I mean, this should tell us that we are on the right path. What are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um and, and don't get me wrong, I'm like anyone else, any normal person out there, and I see stuff like mandating uh people to get vaccines to work um from from DC as just such evil, unethical behavior. But at the same time, uh if you take a step back, these kind of moves are desperate, right? They they are desperation. I mean, you you, you it's so overt, it's so aggressive that um, it, it only only a group of people who are actually concerned, you know, oh, we need to get this done quickly, you know, or, you know, oh, no, the peasants are waking up. Let's quickly, you know, get them into the vaccine passport system, um, you know, I think betrays the fact that we actually are in a better position um, than we than we think sometimes. And yes, it, it goes to what do I think is going on? Very, very big picture. Yes. <laughs> what I think is going on um, based on all that I know, and, you know, I've been studying sort of the world and these, these cretins <laughs> for over a decade and how, sort of how they operate, how they, how they manipulate, et cetera. I think that um, it's very clear to them, this, this system, right, the financial system that we have, the, the imperial, let's say, hegemony of the U.S., all of these things are coming to a head and changing and falling apart. And that fits into the whole concept of, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the fourth turning, yes. right, which is the generational uh, cyclical theory that around this time, exactly around this time, um, the old paradigm, the post-World War II paradigm is set to fall apart one way or the other. And usually you have chaos or and oftentimes war and, and social unrest and all these things as um, the system falls apart, Okay. I think that these people know all of this as well. I think they're very aware of cycles. They know that their time is up for this system. I'm I'm of the belief that they would continue, like the Schwab, Klaus Schwab. Oh yeah, the, yeah, right. They would, because why wouldn't you? This is such a great system for them. Hey, you know? this is it's a fantastic racket. Ex exactly, and I think they would. I don't think that that if if they if they felt confident they could continue this specific racket for the next 50 years, they would do so. I don't think we, we, we would be seeing the Great Reset. I think that they, however, know it's ending. And they see the writing on the wall with Bitcoin. I think that really has freaked them out because it, it's such a powerful new paradigm that's right in our face. It, 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 it's, it, it exposes so much to people of how we could do things differently and how we don't need to be doing things the way we're doing things, not just in money, but in everything. Um, that... It's 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 created terror <laughs> in the minds of these people, and there's this panic to, okay, this old system that we have, they're onto it, right? I mean, the peasants are waking <laughs> up; they, they they're starting to get it. You know, what do we do? And I think the solution—it's a very heavy-handed and, and I think ridiculous uh, move, but I I feel like they they don't think they they have any other choice. Is they've concluded how do we maintain power? or grow power in a different system. And I believe that what we're seeing since, um, let's say early 2020 with the beginning of this COVID um, hysteria is uh, an attempt to transform the paradigm from what it was to something very different, but within which you're taking all of the worst aspects of what we have, right? So this prior paradigm, I'm not a big fan of, okay? But there are some things that are nice about it. Yep. It's not its not all terrible, right? I mean, we, we humanity is, at least in the US, I mean, we've had some freedoms and we, you know, it, it's, you know, life has not been a horrible oppression for, no. for, for a lot of us. For some of us, yes, but not for a lot of us, no. For me, it hasn't been. And I think it's it's, it's basically the, the the great reset is essentially taking all of the worst parts <laughs> of this prior paradigm <laughs> and then and making them ten times worse. Okay, so one example would obviously be the currency. Like, yes, we're in a fiat currency system. Yes, the central banks can create it, and but the banks create it too. You know, there there isn't this total control over 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 how money is used. There is control over how it's created to some degree. Um, and you can direct it to certain players via, you know, 0% interest rate, 
and stuff. But every single dollar that's spent isn't tracked. Every single dollar that's spent isn't controlled and surveilled in real time. But that's exactly what a CBDC, right? A central bank digital currency would do. And so you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're essentially the, the, the Davos man plan is to take what's already a horror, you know, a horrible system and take the worst part of it and make it 10 times worse with a CBDC. But it's not just that, right? They're trying to do that with everything. And so to me, um, what, 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 a, what a vaccine passport or a digital ID, a social, let's, let's take a step back actually, a social credit score. Cause to me, a vaccine passport is a social credit score. If, if they're saying you can't go to a restaurant unless you have a vaccine passport, that's a social credit score already because it's saying, well, if you haven't complied with this, then you can't do that. That's, that's, your, that's your first social credit score 100%. in the US. 100%. Right. And so, and so what if that is the new currency? And, and I think that's the idea. The, the, the idea is to make um, anything you do dependent on if you've complied with something that the, these people want. And so it starts out with the vaccine passport, but of course, later on, it's, okay, well, oh, by the way, your spending has this amount of carbon emissions attached to it. Now you're over your limit, surf, you know, <laughs> no more spending for you this month. That's where we're headed, if we allow it. Oh, yeah. And so, right. And so that, that's, and so that's, so to me, that's what's going on. I think they know it's ending. They're trying to create an even more oppressive system that takes all the worst aspects of the old system and just ma- and, and rolls it into a new system where there's no freedom. And you're totally controlled. And, you know, Bitcoin is the complete, it's the complete opposite, you know, in every way to what they're trying to do. And so this is also why I found, you know, my, um, my brethren, right, my brothers and sisters, more than anywhere else within Bitcoiners, because we, they fundamentally are in the best position to understand how bad this great reset is going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's interesting, the, um, you know what you're talking about with them understanding that this old system is coming to an end and they they want to and and you're absolutely right you know they just totally remove the freedom sprinkle in a little extra slavery a little bit more control <laughs> right and boom we've got we've got a brand new system that's in the you know in the digital age but it, it's really i mean i i sit there and i i think to myself like do these people know that they're psychotic and evil like, do they like, do you think like Christine Lagarde like wakes up and is like, I'm a piece of shit, you know, like Klaus Schwab, like, do you think, do you think Klaus knows that, that, that he's, that, that he's like the face that they put in front of us? Cause don't get me wrong. I'm tinfoil hat time. Like he, these people, yes. these are just the faces they're putting in front of us to do the work. There are many, uh, you call them families, call them organizations. I, I don't care yeah. what designation you want to give them, but those people are the people really actually owning all of these assets the world's assets at least that's the way i see it so yeah i yeah i see i see it similarly in in based on you know all the all the analysis that i've done and just watching you know sort of how the world works and how things happen um what's that quote it's about um yeah i i said this on another podcast but it's, it bears repeating it's sort of there's that quote that says never attribute to malice that which can be explained by stupidity and i don't like that quote i think it's actually bullshit yes i like to say don't attribute to malice that which can be attributed to incentives because that's what actually is going on at the minion level and below so that's regard right. what do i think someone like that minion but an opportunistic, greedy, unconscious, um, bad human. But, <laughs> exactly. but right, right? I mean, to, to, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm holding back a little here. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, but it's okay. Don't worry. You can say whatever you'd like. <laughs> so, so she, so that's how I would describe someone like her. Um, but, but I don't think she's the mastermind or no. anything. Yeah, I, I think that she is there. Okay, in her position because she is who she is. Okay, she's the kind of person that will do anything, um, anything at all to advance her own interests as she sees them. And so that's where the incentives thing comes into play, right? So, like someone like Lagarde, her incentive um, is is to do whatever nasty thing that she needs to do to push herself and her agenda, you know, or, or, or whatever is going to help her. Um, and 
you know, most people have some, uh, some ethics, right? Some line that they're not going to cross. But of course, there's these, there's a, there's a percentage of people who write are sociopaths and they don't have those lines. And so that's why, why you, when you look around and you see all these minions and they're all, and they all act like sociopaths, it's because they are sociopaths. It's because sociopaths are going to be promoted and they're going to be put in these kind of positions. Okay, someone like me or you is never going to get there because A, we don't want to be there. And B, um, you're going you're gonna to cut yourself out of the game before you ever get to a level like that, like I did. Like, I mean, I could have kept going on Wall Street. I was young. I, I, I quit at the height of my career, uh, the height of my pay and the height of my um, success. And I, and I took myself out of the game. I took myself out of the game because I have a conscience. You know what I mean? Like I have some sort of like ethical thing that the, the line that was crossed, it was crossed pretty, pretty easily for me. And I was just like, nah, I'm out of here, you know, but, but a person like Lagarde, a Sh- I don't, I don't know Schwab so much. He might be even more nefarious, you know, but I, I think but, he is. But, yeah. So, so I tend to think that as well. I, I think Lagarde is a minion. I think Agreed. Schwab might be something else. Right. But but let's just talk minion class, you know, like a Lagarde or a Biden or, you know, someone like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, even a Federal Reserve person, you know, uh, they are really just a, a type of human. They're a certain type of human, you know, sociopaths and that will do whatever it takes to get to the top or what they perceive as the top of success. And so, therefore, you know, all you have to do is just create is, is to just incentivize those people properly and they'll do whatever, you know, they'll, they'll do, they'll do whatever it takes. They don't, they don't think like you and me, right. They, they don't think like, is this wrong? <laughs> you, know, you know, is this going to hurt millions of people? You know, a sociopath doesn't think that way. So, you know, this is where, you know, this is another thing that, that, that I loved about Bitcoin to go back to that. It's that it's the fact that nobody, no sociopath can get in control of it and then manipulate it. And that's the beauty of it. It's rules without rulers, you know, because whenever you have rulers, you have, you will always attract the sociopath. The sociopath is, if there's, if there is power, concentrated power on offer, you will, the sociopath will always get the concentrated power because the sociopath is the type of person that will do whatever it takes to get it. Whereas a normal human like us <laughs> that aren't sociopaths won't do that, right? We, we won't kill people. We won't step on people. We won't destroy families to get power. Why would we do that, right? We're, we're not sociopaths. So the problem really becomes, and, you know, this is a you know, bigger discussion for the future, but, you know, what we really need to do ultimately is look at Bitcoin as that model, which is that you rules without rulers you you cannot you cannot hope that you're going to get the right people in charge you can't you can't create concentrated power and then assume good people are going to be wielding the concentrated power that's just not how humans work and so you know philosophically that's how we need to be thinking about things we need to be saying okay well how do we how do we get on right how do we how do we have a civilization um, where the avenues for concentrated power whether it's political or economic or whatever, are non-existent to very few and far between. And it's phenomenal that Bitcoin is able to do that in the realm of money because money is such a tool of power. And so that's you know why Bitcoin is so significant. It's not just that it shows you rules without rulers, but it also but it shows you rules without rulers in one of the most important aspects of humanity, which is uh, savings, money, uh, value transfer, et cetera. You know what? I, I think that that's, it, it's interesting that you're talking about the rules without rulers and the sociopaths. And I, I totally agree, by the way, <laughs> completely agree with that. I narcissistic sociopaths. I, you, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, like even on simply Bitcoin with Nico, I say all the time, I'm like, I don't understand how human beings would do this to another human. Like these people, <laughs> these people have families, they have children, they have mothers, you know, wives, mm-hmm. uncles, like, you know, every single one of these people have seen somebody else suffer and stuff like this. Like, why would you make such psychotic laws and enforce them and ruin things? Like, it, it's just, it it's insane. But you know what? It brings us to, it brings us to the, the plebs. Right. I, I, I think it, it kind of it kind of brings us to the plebs. I this is something that I've kind of never I shouldn't say that I've never really seen before, but 
I've seen it with, we'll say, like grassroots um, movements, not not only political and stuff like that, but even stuff like, you know, I always talk about this with Pirate Beach Bum, um, like like skateboarding, you know, snowboarding, mm -hmm. surfing, stuff like that. You know, you, you see these kind of like these these kind of true believers, you know, these true believers, these grunts, the philosophers, you know, whatever, you know, like whatever you want to call them, right? The like the dreamers. And they, you know, they come into this space and right away, like you mentioned earlier on, right, they just get it, right? Like there's some people you mm -hmm. speak to and they immediately understand really, they may not get Bitcoin, but they immediately understand why Bitcoin. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of controversy uh, on uh, on Twitter, of course, right? A lot of, a lot of controversy over the plebs. There's some people, you know, they hate the plebs, you know, calling you know, calling plebs, you know, toxic, you know, closed minded, stuff like that. I, you know, obviously I'm one of those people. I, you know, like any person who doesn't think that they're not closed minded, I don't think I'm closed minded. I've just already been through the shitcoin scams and I can tell you that they're scams. And I, you know, we've already, you know, we've proved it time and time again. And with every, with, with every rug pull and, and every shitcoin uh, chicanery that goes on, it just it just helps prove our point. And I say, you know, a lot of times in Bitcoin, thank God for the plebs. Thank God for the plebs, you know, because these are the people these are the people that really don't give a shit. And they are just seeking to understand. Right. Like they just want to know what is the objective information that I can look at, that I can use to determine what my stance is on something. And this is something I believe that we haven't seen in a, I, I think in a long time, because for a long time, we've all just, we, we've all just kind of like accepted, uh, you know, we've all just kind of accepted everything that was, th that was told. And, you know, the internet was kind of the breaking in that happening, right? Where all of a sudden you have these narratives coming from different places and you're like, wait a second, you know, maybe what I'm hearing isn't exactly correct. Maybe, maybe the government doesn't need to be printing money. Maybe we don't need to be Keynesians. You know, so yeah, I say thank God for the plebs. What are your what are your thoughts on the plebs, Mike? Yeah, so you know, interestingly enough, I've I've been having this conversation more and more with people in that sometimes I feel as if Bitcoin exists just to connect us. <laughs> and of course that's not exactly right, but, but think it's close. about it's close, right? I mean, I was thinking about just this the other day. I mean, if you could take I mean, if, if Bitcoin was to disappear, if you had to make a choice between Bitcoin disappeared off the face of the earth tomorrow or all of, let's say, the you know 10,000 of the most fierce, insightful, intelligent global plebs disappeared, which would you which would you pick? And I know most Bitcoins would say, oh, of course, like the plebs disappearing because um, we still have Bitcoin. But I don't know. You know, it's, it's a real difficult thought exercise because I really do believe that Bitcoin has attracted a certain type of person, okay? I mean, of course, it attracts opportunists as well and narcissists. I mean, we, 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 know, we know plenty of those influencer types, but um, that's always going to be the case when there's money to be made. But, but aside from them, it, it has attracted in the plebs uh, a true type of person that is relatively rare on, on earth, but there are, you know, there probably are millions of us though on earth. And how has there ever been a time? Okay. No, there, the answer is no, but, but there's never been a time where all of these types of people um, were able to somehow start to connect with one another across the globe become friends, exchange ideas. That to me is what the Bitcoin pleb network really is. I mean, there's, and there's not one network, of course, right? But what I'm saying is there, what other way could we ever have all found each other? I, I mean, in the last year, you know, the friend, the friendships I've made and the, and the um, just communications with people that I've had just over Twitter with people that I would never, ever have had a conversation with, if not for Bitcoin, has been so, you know, beneficial and powerful and uplifting in my life. And I know a lot of people think this way as well. And so it's, to me, this, 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 this connectivity of a certain disposition human 
through Bitcoin that has allowed us to come together is an enormous positive. And I don't even think we can grasp how big that is. And so to me, the tool that is Bitcoin is phenomenal, of course, right? I mean, we, we know, you know, we know that, but I would say the, the, the connection and blossoming, let's say network of people that have found themselves via Bitcoin plebs is equally important. And to just give you a real life sort of example, I started talking about and warning about vaccine passports very early. Okay. Um, early, you know, in the beginning of this year, when it start, sort, sort of started um, being proposed through the Mockingbird media and Bitcoiners were probably 90% um, of, of the people who supported what I was saying, you know, who got it, who just completely understood that vaccine passports, digital IDs had to be the line in the sand, the hill you would die on, okay? Whereas nobody else was seeing it. Bitcoiners saw it and they rallied around, you know, what I was saying, not just me, of course, there were plenty of other people that, that were doing it. But that was when it really, I, it really, I really understood that the, the power of, of the plebs, right? The power of the Bitcoin or ne the Bitcoin network in that we can rally around other things that are very important, not just Bitcoin. But of course, right, if we end up with the vaccine passport digital ID society, Bitcoin is is, is not in good shape at that point either. I mean, it's not, we, we didn't win, you know, it's not going to be fun, trust me. Like, so we need to stop that. But the cool thing was that Bitcoiners didn't have tunnel vision. They were able to immediately focus on that issue. And I think that's extremely powerful. I like that. And that is the, that is the key, I think, to, you know, tuning out the noise. And, and actually, you know what, it kind of, it kind of made me think of a, as you were, you know, as you were explaining this, right, because I, I do think, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I got to say that, you know, growing up, I, I never really met people that, uh, that many people that I could have these kinds of discussions with, you know, about, about money, about what money is, uh, not even that, but just about philosophy, just about life, just about anything, culture, like, you know, open, uh, open-minded, objective conversations, even about things that people don't like. And, and I, I have to say that I, I only, I only started to find these people once I got into Bitcoin. So I, I do agree with you. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, Bitcoin already exists. So the cat's out of, you know, the, the rabbit's out of the hat, right? So I'd rather, I, I personally would rather keep the people. So I do yes. agree with you on that one. <laughs> right. And ultimately, yeah, see, ultimately, exactly. Like Bitcoin was, I, I guess, in theory, it could have been an extraterrestrial, but <laughs> in theory, it came from a human. Okay. Um, and so therefore, if you lose, if you lose all the Bitcoiners, you know, who's going to, who's going to be, who's going to be bringing the new world in? You know, it's not just Bitcoin. It's, 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 you're going to lose, you're going to lose a lot of, of what I think is the spearhead to the Renaissance that we need. And, you know, on the opposite, if you have the Bitcoiners there, these this people, this network, and you don't have the Bitcoin, I, I still think we would sort it out. You know, it would be hard and it would suck. And, you know, we'd, we'd have to deal with a lot of stuff. But I feel like that human, that human capital, though, or that human network is those people, these people are special to me, you know, and, and like you said, these are these are special people. And, and I also felt uh, very isolated, like people say, oh, I finally found my tribe. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like that in a lot of ways. And, and it's very empowering to know that we are not alone. You know, you, you, you know, the, the type of person you've always been and you've always felt like not quite comfortable in normie world, you know, <laughs> it's, it's very empowering knowing there's all sorts of other people that have always felt that same thing. You know, uh, just uh, there, there was a quote that it, it, it got me thinking. I'm, I'm a, I write down every freaking quote from every book that, that I read. But, you know, when you're talking <laughs> about the Pleb Network, it made me think of this. This is actually from a book called The History of Magic by Eliphas Levy. And he says, he goes, life is a universal communion. And in such communion, do we find immortality? So I, I think that that goes along the lines of what you're talking about. And it also kind of also touches on, you know, kind of the the idea. I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of the remnant. Um, the yeah. uh, I know that Alex uh, Svetsky and uh, Francis. I, OK, so Francis Puglio was probably the first person who turned me on to this like two years ago when I interviewed him. And it blew my mind. I read this um, uh, this uh, article or 
a piece of an article. I, I'm not even sure if it was the whole thing, but it, it was called, it's called Isaiah's job. And it, it kind of, it, it really touches on these kind of points that you're talking about, you know, like who, you know, who is going to, you know, you still need the builders, right? Like the, the, the builders must be there. Otherwise, well, what, what's the use? So yeah, yeah. you know, going back yeah, to that human capital idea. Right. Well, one of the things that I, um, and it's important that we connect too, you know, cause, cause we can, we can build off each other's minds. I mean, I've learned, I've learned and so many things have been sparked by talking to other Bitcoiners and back and forth. It's been very enriching in my life. Um, you know, and, and so one of the things I've been tweeting a lot about that I think, you know, could be a good place to sort of round things off here is, um, I see a lot of people, even Bitcoiners coming at me with, with, with this kind of a statement. They say, um, yeah, people are waking up, but you know, 60% of people are completely asleep or the masses are, unless the masses wake up, we're never going to win. Right. And, and it's wrong, you know, that's just wrong. And, and I'm not trying to be condescending because I, for the last 10 years, for most of the last 10 years, I was trying to spark the masses, right. I was trying to, through my writing, I felt like I could through logic and experience and pointing things out, I felt like I could spark a mat or help spark some sort of mass awakening or uprising against, you know, all of these crazy things that are going on, but, but nothing like that happened, you know, and, and most people just continue to be manipulated from one place to the other place to the other place very easily. And, you know, I stopped writing in 2000 last year in the summer, because finally I was like, you know what I said, all I have to say, you know, this mass awakening is not happening. <laughs> and, and it was, it's frustrating to me because I felt that it was necessary. Okay. I felt that you needed um, the masses to wake up and, and sort of revolt before we could change things. Now in the last, let's say, I don't know, probably this year, I've come to a completely different conclusion and it's actually much more of an optimistic conclusion. And that is that the masses don't change anything. Right. They, they help solidify change once it's already kind of done, but they will never wake up. Right. So in other words, if anyone listening to this is, is thinking to themselves, oh, man, like when, when are people going to wake up? No, no, you can't think that way because they're not going to wake up. It doesn't happen. <laughs> they're never going to wake up. Like if you're waiting for the masses to wake up, you're going to be waiting before you do something. You're going to be waiting your entire life. The, what I believe happens is this. I believe minorities change history. And there's the minority that consists of Davos man, right? Schwabi and uh, the CCP and central bankers and all these minions, right? There's that minority, we know about them. And then there's a minority like us, like the Bitcoin plebs, and not just us, but others like us. And we are in battle with the other minions, the other minorities. That's it, right? We, we, we need to step up, change things, and push things forward because what happens is the masses, my view is the masses never even wake up, right? They never even get, get to the consciousness. What they do is they herd. Okay, they herd to what, wherever the momentum is. So the moment we start to get momentum with, let's say, pushback on vaccine passports, enough people quit, enough people resist, enough people refuse to show vaccine papers, stuff like that. You, you, you get to this one, you, you have to cross a certain line, right? You have to sort of get to a certain level of momentum and then the masses start hurting to your side. It's not like they suddenly um, understand you are right. It's just that they're herd creatures. They, they go where the momentum is going. And so this is why the most important message that I could get to anybody that's listening to this is to stop worrying about what other people are doing. Stop worrying about the masses. You know what's right. You know what you need to do. And that means you need to resist this. You need to not comply and you need to be strong and courageous about it. And other people will over time follow. And we just need to get a, we just need to get a critical mass. And again, a critical mass is not 51%. It's probably something more like 10, 15%, maybe even less. And then you see the masses heard to your side and then it's over. So that's, that's how I want to kind of leave my, uh, my message. <laughs> Bullish. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that spin. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, that's pretty good. And, it, and it's, you know what? It's fair. It's fair and it's accurate. And I appreciate it, Michael. Uh, this, 
this just flew by, man. I, I really, really <laughs> appreciate you joining me uh, on my podcast. This was really great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. It was the, this is the, what was I guess I'll plug one for you. You know, the re, the reason I became friends with, you know, pirate beach bum is because I learned, I listened to your interview with him, which was one of the best interviews I've listened to actually in Bitcoin period. So anyone listening should check that out. Cause it was really, it was really cool. Um, I loved it. And um, it's an honor to be on with you. And this is, like I said, it's going to be my last one for a while. So I hope we, uh, I, I hope that's enough stuff for people to digest for, for a few months. Man, I'm super humbled. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Uh, link to um, his profile, Kriegs' profile, will be in the show notes down below. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next time, whenever that is. 